Would you open God's precious holy word to 1 Kings 19? Irma Brombeck, anybody ever heard of her? A humorist of days gone by and uh, an author, a best-selling author, what, back in the 60s and 70s and 80s, I guess. I think she died in the 90s. She wrote a book that was entitled, If Life is a Bowl of Cherries, Why Am I Always in the Pits? Pretty much describes Elijah at this point in time. When last we saw Elijah, he had scored a tremendous physical and spiritual victory on Mount Carmel. And then he, he raced to Jezreel. He beat, he beat Ahab to Jezreel in the race. Had to overcome depression. Well, let's look at this and get some lessons And we'll find causes, in in this scripture, we'll find causes of Elijah's depression and what God did for him to bring him out of that depression. The first thing that happened to him was this. He became physically exhausted. Now, it started on Mount Carmel. He had a sword fight with 450 prophets of Baal, plus probably the prophets of Asherah, and he killed them. So following that, let's look at it in verses 1 through 4. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and all that he had killed, and all the prophets with the sword. Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do, and so may they continue, unless at this time tomorrow, I will make your life like the life of one of them. By this time tomorrow, Elijah, I'm going to kill you. This is from the queen, Jezebel. Now let's go back. Remember when the Lord said, both at Kedit and Zedephith, he said, I will bless you there. I will bless you there. That was the key. That's the key to anybody's life is to be where God puts you and then just trust God and watch the ravens come and, and then know that a, a, a widow with nothing will have something and take care of you. You just have to have faith. But Elijah now is entering into a time of both spiritual and physical exhaustion. And I can tell you from experience, spiritual exhaustion is far greater on a person than physical exhaustion. And he saw that. And he arose and ran for his life and came to Bathsheba, which belonged to Judah. And he left his servant there. Okay, let's look at this. He's already exhausted. And he runs from Jezreel to Beersheba. He runs from Jezreel 
to Beersheba. That's about a hundred miles. What's a hundred miles from here? It's on the other side of Birmingham, right? hundred miles from here. So you get on I-65 and a mean woman has threatened your life and you know she means it and you start running. Alabaster? How far is a hundred miles? I don't know. Chattanooga. Okay, from here to Chattanooga. So we got to get on 565, then we got to get on 72, and shush, and then I-24. Man. Now he runs, okay? Elijah runs that distance, having already come the 18 miles that he had come to Jezreel from where he was, Mount Carmel. He came to 18, and he, he outran, remember that? He outran the king's chariot. This Elijah, he must have been a world-class athlete. Looking, instead of looking up, he looks at Jezebel. And in staying, instead of staying at Jezreel, he begins to think for himself. I, I have to tell you, the biggest mistakes I have ever made in the ministry were during those times when I started to think for myself. That's right. You don't need to think for yourself. You just need to wait. Just wait. Pray and wait. I know by experience what a divine unction feels like in my heart. I also know what it feels like to go on in my own strength and not wait for that divine unction. Sometimes you just have to wait on the Lord. As a matter of fact, not just sometimes, all the time. The Lord, if he is the Lord, and especially when he calls you into service, will take care of you. Again, I say what my daddy told me so many times, God don't make a bill that he don't pay. He'll take care of it. But instead of, how is it for all that's happened in his life and for the great victory that he's just won, how is it that he can take his eyes off of Yahweh and focus his sight on Jezebel, the mean, threatening, intimidating woman? I learned a long time ago that in, in tim, people who try to intimidate you are just a lot of hot air, you know? Jezebel, surely she would understand that the God, Yahweh, the God of Israel was the God. The, Baal, the prophets of Baal couldn't call down anything from heaven because there was no God there. But the true and living God came through and gave Elijah and Israel this great victory. And he left the people saying, Yahweh, he is God. Yahweh, he is God. We saw that last time. But here he is, he's physically exhausted. Now he's run 118 miles. And then he goes to the desert and he travels for another day. Now does, I guess he's, he can't run anymore. 
He drags himself as far as he can for one day. And he collapses under a juniper tree. And then he asks the Lord to kill him. He wants to die. People can become so exhausted and so tired and so thinking, try to draw on their own strength and Jezebel becomes the only thing they can see and they can't see any other possibilities. They're consumed with their own thoughts, trying to move and work in their own strength. It never works. And the only conclusion at that point, here is a man totally and absolutely exhausted, has no strength left, finally collapses under a juniper tree and says, let me die. He said, I've had enough, Yahweh. Take my life. I'm not any better than my forefathers. Well, he's probably right there, but that's, that's not the issue. None of us are anything. Only accept how Yahweh, how God will use us for his glory. After all the wonderful things that happen now, Jezebel makes this threat. This time tomorrow, you'll be pushing up daisies just like they are. I'm coming for you. And so he runs before the chariots of Jezebel for 118 uh, miles and then crawls probably another day's journey into the desert, collapsing under a juniper tree. I want to die. I'm worthless. I've had enough. I'm tired. There's nothing left in me. Let me die. People can come to that point in time. Doesn't matter who we are. We can become so exhausted moving in our own strength, trying to figure it out ourselves, thinking that we can come up with a solution that can have nothing less than a divine solution. Human solutions are never enough. I'll tell you this. We all know how troubled our nation is. We are in trouble. If the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ, not anybody else but the church, if the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ fell before God in confession and repentance and would say, we've tried too many things our own way. We have forsaken the word. We have forsaken the great commission. We have forsaken everything that is right and holy and all that we are to do by which we do in your strength and not ours. We are confessing that we have been wrong. We are sinners. 
And we are condemned under your word and we beg you for forgiveness. If just the church in the United States would do, the real church would do that, the nation would be delivered. But we don't. It's too much competition. I call them hot shots or slick. I say, oh, slick over there. He got all the answers. Always coming up with a human solution to a divine problem. It never works. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is a divine organism. We are alive by the divine power of God. And we are not like any institution or organization or corporation. We're not like anything like that at all. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the body of Christ. And we have forsaken Christ. Elijah, taking matters into his own hand, not staying where he was put, not doing what he should have done, looking, looking, W.A. Criswell once said, if the outlook is bad, try the uplook. It's always good. Well, he had left off of the uplook and had just turned to the outlook. It's always bad. There's, I get, oh my, I read the news. That's the worst thing I can do is read this stuff online. It just, it makes me bitter. It makes me angry. It makes me feel helpless. It makes me worry for my grandchildren. I mean, it just does all kinds of things to me. When I should try the uplook, you know. The outlook is always good. God is always up to something and he is always in control. My job is to do what he has sent me to do and just trust him. Faith. The whole book is about faith. Just have faith. And don't sweat the small stuff. God will take care of it. So in my higher and holier moments... I will see a, a news item, oh, China is a threat to us, and, and, and they may join with Russia, and they may just, just destroy us. And all I can say is, you know what, those, those missiles are in the hands of God. Those balloons are in the hands of God, the hand of God. Anything that might happen to us, we have it coming. So God help us. To be repentant and forgive us. Rather than being concerned about all those, the God will accomplish his will according to his purpose. Now, Elijah lost sight of that. I want to die. Take me out of this thing. God wasn't through with him. You may want to die because you don't think Serving God has come to all of the stuff that you thought it was going to be. But it's, it's not your work. It's God's work. It's not my work. It's God's work. I, I'm nothing. I'm like that old guy. I'm, I'm whale manure. That's the lowest thing on earth. It floats, it goes, it sinks to the bottom of the ocean. I'm no better than that. Except that God would choose somehow to use me in whatever way, and I only have this life. 
Elijah, you know, you, and I, hey, I've, I have seen bad times in the ministry and may, seem, may see bad times again before I'm gone. I don't know. But I've never seen bad times but what finally were overwhelmed and displaced by good times because of God. It just helps us to grow. Elijah is missing the point here. Take my life. I'm not any better than my forefathers and they were the worst sinners in all of creation. They had the glories and wonders of God and yet they sinned against God and blasphemed his name. I'm not any better than them. He hadn't eaten for a long time. How far can a person crawl in the desert during daylight? I don't know. Ten miles? I don't. Can you go that far? I don't know. Anybody here ever tried that? <laughs> I'm thinking. Well, he's gone 125 miles or more. 130 miles. Hadn't had rest. Couldn't stop to eat or even take a drink of water because Jezebel's chariots were in hot pursuit. He's gone as far as he can go. I'll tell you this. When you've gone as far as you can go, that's when God does his best work. When you're through with yourself. Elijah is through with himself. I'm worthless. I just want to die. I've had enough. I have had enough. I'm no better than my forefathers. Well, here's how God responded to that. God did not even reply to his, what, suicidal request or whatever. God didn't even respond to that. God ministered to his physical needs. God sent an angel to minister to him. He lay and slept underneath one juniper tree, and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. He fixed him a meal to refresh him physically. He's had a rest, he's had a good rest. And he looked and at his head there was a cake baked on hot coals, a flask of water. He ate and drank and again he lay down. He had to go get some more rest. The angel of Yahweh returned to him again and touched him and said, Arise and eat. The journey is too much for you. You're out of your boundaries. You've extended too far. You're trying to make this all about yourself. This journey is too much for you. You know, there comes a time when we have to just sit down under a juniper tree and let God send others to minister to us and to refresh us. And finally, hear somebody tell us the truth. You've gone too far. 
this journey is too great for you. You don't have within yourself what you thought you had. Now he's, the gospel according to Charles, you can take it or leave it, but I have a feeling there's angels sitting there just being with him. Feeding him. Here, have some more. Here, please have some more. You need more water. Here's more water. Just, just there with him. And he arose and ate and drank and he went with the strength of this meal 40 days and 40 nights up to the mountain of God. Up to the mountain of our great God, the Mount Horeb. Now, God, you see, there's a physical man, an emotional man, which is the soul, and a spiritual man, which is our, which is our connection with God. Did you wake up on that? Okay. I don't want you to be depressed. His physical man practically didn't exist. His spiritual man was greatly exhausted because he had spent his spiritual life fighting the prophets of Baal. And his emotional life is in tatters because he wants to die. God doesn't respond to any of it. He just refreshes him. God doesn't even address the cruelty of looking at God in the face and saying, kill me. This life is nothing to me. I'm tired of it. I don't want to do anything else. And I'm not any better than anybody who's ever lived. I'm the worst of the worst. Just get me out of here. I'm tired. God never responded to that at all. Nobody scolded Elijah for how he felt. He didn't need he didn't need that. He needed a minister to sit with him. Maybe not say a word. Just feed him. Give him his needs. Give him his water. And tell him, you're spent. You've gone beyond your limits. This is too great for you. Recognize the fact that you've come to an end to yourself. And God will use me to help you to be refreshed, to be strengthened. He arose and ate, drank, went with the strength of this meal, 40 days, 40 nights, mountain of God, Horeb, the Mount Horeb. Looking only at himself, Elijah was overwhelmed and felt alone. Here's what he says. He came to the cave and he lodged there. And behold, the word of Yahweh came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? I haven't sent you in the strength that I have provided you to sit in a cave. And he said, I have been zealous for Yahweh, God of armies, Lord of hosts, God of hosts, armies. For the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, 
They've torn down your altars and they've killed your prophets by the sword. And I alone remain and they seek my life to take it. Now, he has a, a mistaken perspective. He says things here that are, are not right. And he doesn't have... He doesn't have the eyes of God, nor does he have the outreach of God. And nobody has, he's making all of this stuff up. That's easy to do. Let me tell you something. You get to feeling a little bad for yourself. And then you think because Jezebel has threatened you, she's intimidated you. Now you think the whole world is going to collapse and that the God of Israel is not powerful enough to save Israel? I have been zealous. Lord, God of hosts, of armies, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant. Well, now, go back to Mount Carmel. A revival was breaking out, you remember? Yahweh, he is God. Yahweh, he is God. That's where Elijah left them. There was a revival breaking out in the land and they needed Elijah. And he failed them. Unwilling to remember that great victory, he declares, Israel, the sons of Israel, have forsaken your covenant. They've torn down your altars. Killed your prophets by the sword and I alone remain. And they seek my life to take it. He's focused on himself inward. You've heard the analogy that's been made between the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee receives and it freely gives. And it's always beautiful and pure and fresh. The Dead Sea, on the other hand, just receives and it never gives anywhere, and it's dead. It's awful. I've, uh, I've been in that thing. It's awful. Well, anyway, he only sees it from his little tiny perspective. So here's old Pastor Charles looking at YouTube and looking at all these news reports and they're, give, they're telling me that I'm probably dead before the day's out and, and my country is about to be blown to bits and, and all kind of horrible things are going to happen. And well, I'm looking at it from my recliner. Now, I know you think that I could tear off my shirt and have a big red S and fly everywhere and check it out myself. I tried that once, it didn't work. Just from my little perspective, and then here's some guy probably in his garage, but he's got a fancy backdrop and a, a nice camera and a microphone and he's telling me how bad things are. This is Elijah. He's just assuming the worst. To know that the kingdom of God will ultimately displace the kingdoms of this world, how could we ever think the worst? They've killed them all. I'm alone. They're coming after me. 
In other words, Yahweh, you weren't strong enough to save them and you're not strong enough to save me. Well, he's about to get corrected on all of that. God restored, restored Elijah to a sense of divine presence and divine fellowship and divine approval. Elijah needs correction. He needs to be strengthened. And he needs to understand that God is there with him and that God approves of his work. And he said, now what does God do? Okay, he has refreshed him. He sent somebody to minister to him so that he wasn't really alone. And he gives him a sense of divine presence. Go out and stand in the mountain before Yahweh. Behold, Yahweh passed by and a great strong wind splitting mountains and shattering boulders before Yahweh. But Yahweh was not in the wind and after the wind, an earthquake. But Yahweh was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, fire. But Yahweh was not in the fire. <clears throat> and after the fire, a still, small voice. And as Elijah heard, he wrapped his face in his mantle. He went out and stood at the entrance of the cave and behold, a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? And he said, I've been zealous. They seek my life to take it. Now, this still small voice, Yahweh said to him, <coughs> go and return to your way, your way to the desert of Damascus where you're supposed to be. And you shall come and anoint Hazael to be king of Aram. And you read the rest of these scriptures regarding northern kingdom and southern kingdom, you'll see that Hazael has a purpose within the will of God. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat from Abel Mechla, you shall anoint to be prophet in your stead. This work's not going to stop. It doesn't depend on you. I'm going to put you back to work. This is the best thing that could have happened to him. God overlooks all of this self-pity and suicidal tendency or whatever. God just overlooks it. And he says, let me tell you your problem, Elijah. You're in the wrong place. You're not where I put you. Man, if you're where God put you, things are going to happen and they're going to be right and good. You go to your way. The way designed for you. And there's a litany of things. There's a list of things for you to do. Because you still have a ministry in this world. Even to stand before kings. And to finally anoint 
a great prophet who will come in your place. <coughs> and it will be those who escape the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. Those who escape the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. And I will leave over in Israel 7,000. All the knees that did not kneel to the Baal and every mouth that did not kiss him. You're not alone. You see, God has this great and wonderful perspective that goes all over the world into the lives of everybody. I don't. Why should I ever assume to the position of knowing all these things? I can't know them. The only thing that I can really know is the still small voice, the word of God, and that I'm in the wrong place, but God will direct me to the right place where I need to be. He'll put me to work and it'll be a great work. It'll have a great effect over all that part of the world. And he went from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, as he was plowing 12 yoke, where before him he was with the 12th. And Elijah went over to him and threw his mantle over him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, let me please kiss my father and my mother and I will go after you. And he said to him, go return for what have I done to you? And he returned from after him. He took the yoke of oxen, uh, oxen, slaughtered them. And with the gear of the oxen, he cooked meat for them. And he gave the people and they ate. And he rose and he followed Elijah and ministered to him. Elijah, Elisha's story is a great story as well. But before Elijah could do the next thing that he is supposed to do for God, he had to come to the end of himself. He had to travel through a deep, dark valley of depression and suffer personal defeat. But God was with him. God was with him. Physical exhaustion can make you think the wrong things. Spiritual exhaustion can make you feel the wrong things. We need God in all that we do. And God will always be there. How gracious God was to Elijah because Elijah really at that point in time is the only one whom the people could follow in a great revival and a revival and a turn to Yahweh who is the true and living God we'll stop there and we'll have our deacon prayer time